0: You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow Bright City Church on Instagram. Today's message is from Pastor Nick.
1: Good morning. How's everybody doing? Um, Hey, just real quick, I I wanted to kind of fulfill a lifelong dream of mine, if you will entertain me. Is that okay? Yes. I'm going to play flight attendant at Bright City Church. Are you all ready? (laughs) Uh, A lot of new people in the house, and I just want to make sure everybody knows uh, where where they need to be, when they want to be in those places, and that you're wearing your seatbelts, all that good stuff. Uh, So uh, bathrooms, this is the part where I do this with my hands, right? Okay. Okay. All right. So we got bathrooms on either side. The women's bathroom is on this side. The men's bathroom is on that side. We're good. Good. Okay. All right. Women, special treat for the ladies of the house is that the coffee is actually on your side. So you have to work less to get to the coffee. So you're welcome. And we hope that you get some coffee. Also, apparently this morning, we're really trying to usher in uh, the Christmas spirit because we had Christmas cups So here at Bright City, you do not have to wait for Christmas in October. We bring the Christmas cups in July in the name of Jesus. Uh, Another thing that is helpful, um, if this is your first time and you're like, man, I really want to find out. Um, More about this church. And I really love spam email. No, I'm just kidding. We don't spam anyone. We send out like one email a week. Um, If you want to get connected and find out what's going on at Bright City, you can fill this out and you can drop it in the giving box or you can bring it to this back next steps table. But this is just a good way to find out more um, and just hear what's going on because this is the time to get connected to a church. We believe that the fall is a time of harvest and growth. Uh, But sometimes that happens because we are putting in the work Amen. Right. Like you don't get to like, like we're, we're not a generation of farming. We're a generation of Trader Joe's. And so when I want groceries, I just go to Trader Joe's, but there was a time when you had to grow your own food. And uh, you had to put the work in to eat, and so uh, we would love to feed you, but you got to put the work in, which means giving us your email, and we will not put you in a pyramid scheme. I promise it'll be safe. All right, let me pray for us. Father, I just pray uh, in the name of Jesus that you would just speak to us in this moment. Father, we believe uh, that your word is the source of wisdom and direction in our lives, and so Father, I just pray that you will do only what you can do, and that you will touch our hearts, and that you will touch our lives. And uh, Father, I just pray uh, that, that if anyone's here, and it just took a lot to put their feet in the building this morning, God, I just pray that you would reward uh, the faithfulness of those who put the feet in the building that just said, you know what, I don't want to be here, but I'm going to be here. Um, and God, I just pray that you would pour out your power and spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. So my kids, I've got four kids, and they are at the age... Uh, where they still experience these things called growing pains do y'all remember those I, I do not get them i think i'm getting shorter but my kids are growing and they're getting taller and they have these things called growing pains and specifically with my 10 year old he'll come down every once in a while and he's just grabbing his calves and his legs and he's like man they just hurt so bad and normally after i've done saying, I don't believe you and you did this last night and you know, we do the whole order of operations when kids come down, like get some water, you'll be fine. Like after we do all that, you can see that it's growing pains. And you know, one of the things that we'll tell them and I don't know if this is good, but we'll tell them to get a banana. Like anybody that apparently that's good. I don't know if it's good. I just think it takes his mind off of what's actually happening. But anyway, we do the best we can to help him so that he can fall asleep and and figure out what's going on with these growing pains. But what's crazy about the growing pains themselves is that it's not that I make then feel better, right? Like they still hurt, but for whatever reason, whether it be some medicine or some water, you know, he's able to go back to sleep and kind of takes his mind off of it. Um, and then he'll do it again the next morning or I mean the next night, because that's just how kids roll. Uh, but he has these growing pains. And even though the pain stop, uh, he knows that he can go back to sleep because he knows that the pain has a purpose, right? Like he's like, oh, if I'm getting taller, like let's do this. Like I'm, I'm done being the short young one of the family and I really do think he might outgrow all of them but he's like if if, if there's growth that there's purpose to what's happening in this moment then I'm fine and I'm going to go back to sleep and he doesn't feel any better and again I don't know if the banana helps or the medicine helps but eventually he goes back to sleep Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this but we too as adults go through growing pains you ever felt that Some of you are like, I'm growing out. I'm not growing up, I'm growing out. It's it's, it's a problem and I'm working on it. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about growing pains in life. Where kids, the growing pains are physical, but with adults, our growing pains tend to be a little more emotional, right? Like they, they tend to be a little more on the inside. And what I've noticed about my own growing pains is that my growing pains happen internally because of the pressures that are happening externally. Like there's just things in my life that are happening that are causing me to experience these deep growing pains. And even though it's not physical, they tend to be emotional. And I've noticed a theme in my life that there are two reasons that I have growing pains. And this is not the the most complete list, but I'll give it to you and you do what you want with it. But I realized that in my own life, I have growing pains based around two things. The first thing are transitions Anytime there is a transition or change in my life, and the second one is trials, right? So anytime there is a transition in my life or a trial in my life, I experience a little bit of growing pains in my own life emotionally. And this could be in so many different ways. And sometimes you're like, well, Nick, I don't know if that's true for me. You might still be in the honeymoon phase of that transition, right? You're like, oh, this is great. I moved to Charleston, and this is wonderful, and this is everybody's complaining about the heat. I loved it because I moved from the Midwest, and it's already cold there, and I'm so excited about this. And I'm like, yeah, you just wait (laughs) in your next summer. And then you're like, oh my gosh, this is so incredible. I get to go to the beach and I get to hang out and do all these fun things. And then I'm like, yeah, you just wait till you gotta start working that job. I ain't been to the beach in like a year, it feels like. The first time I went to the beach was the church hangout time. People are like, why don't you go to the beach? It's like, cause I got a job. Like, I don't know what to tell you. This is not vacation for me, I live here. Charleston's great to come to, but like when you live here, you gotta do the things. If you don't do the things, then you can't live here. And then we've got a problem. And so there there is those honeymoon times that happen with change and transition. But sometimes you have this transition and maybe it's like uh maybe a new job or maybe new personnel at your job and you're like, "Oh, this is great. This is great. Okay, this is not great. Like who made them boss over me? Like that's this is just not working. I'd like my money back. I need a refund or you get a new responsibility." I think the, the cool thing in the job market these days is to give you two jobs for the price of one. Anyone doing one of those right now? You're like, praise God, got two jobs for the price of one. That doesn't help anyone. But, you know, it becomes hard after a while. You're like, man, this is, this is a lot. Sometimes it can happen in relationships, whether that be friendships or intentional relationships or even marriage like there there's just a season where things are doing okay and they're good but after a while things can get a little a little rocky and you start going through these transitional changes or maybe there's a trial that happens within the midst of the relationship and you're like okay this is not what I signed up for. Like, this is not how I pictured this thing going. Like we hit it off. We were BFS forever. And like, we liked all the same things and we could go see Taylor Swift together. And like all these things were great, And now it's not like, I don't, I don't know what's happening. Or, uh, you know, I had, um, The guy that married Jess and I, he was our youth minister. And this thing he said to us, and like we straight laughed at him in his face, and that's because we were prideful. Uh, But he said, hey, I just want to let you know, um, it takes seven to ten years for you to go from me to we. It's like, (laughs) challenge accepted. We're going to do it in 1.5 years. We're going to be about each other, and we're going to love each other unconditionally and selflessly, and we're going to have a gold star marriage. And we're not going to write the books. They're going to write the books about our marriage. Like, that's how good it's going to be. And I was like, I think it might have taken us 10 to 12 years to go from me to we. Because there's transition that happens. There's change that happens. Things get hard. You have these growing pains that happen. Uh, One of the things that I think is of God's gift to the, the body, the family, the church, and even to people is our kids. And so you get to see this dynamic of kids and how that plays out in life. And as parents, God is so, so sneaky. Like, you get these kids. And so for our first one... He like slept through the night at like six weeks. We were like, <laughs> again, they're gonna be writing books about us. It's gonna be incredible. How to Parent by Nick and Jess Connolly. And we don't even have to write it because it's gonna be great. Like he was sleeping, he was perfect. And then came number two and she didn't sleep for like 13 months. <laughs> Felt like 13 years and we were like, oh my gosh, we broke this baby. But just as you have these moments where you're like, okay, they're settling in, things are, things are going well then all of a sudden it changes. So not only do you have to keep them alive, you have to help them aim at a toilet. And then that just changes the game forever. It's like, well, like adults can barely hit the toilet. Well, gentlemen, like, you know, like I've been in the men's bathroom, like, like that's still a struggle for us in this day and time. And so I got to teach these kids to go to the bathroom at the right time, at the right place. Like, that's just not working. That's just not how it's going to work for me. And then they kick the nap. And then, you know, you go through a bumpy season. And then they start to become mobile. And things are, like, crazy. And whether that's walking or driving, it's like, I'm, I'm not ready for any of this. And so what I find is that God is gracious in my life to give me change at every moment and transition at every moment so that I can experience the growing pains of every moment, especially in parenting. So when it comes to our life, growing pains can be really, really tough. Like it can be really hard to process through some of the changes and the transition and the trials that God has in our lives. And spiritually speaking, that is still the same. Like spiritually in our lives, like we go through seasons of growing pains. And I find sometimes when we have these seasons of growing pains, in like complete legitimacy like we become angry with god and it's like god it was going so great what on earth are you doing why on earth are you doing this and i've even noticed in my own life there'll be things i pray for god gives me those things and then i have growing pains which in in the midst of the promises that he's given me and it's like god no that's not okay Like, I I signed up for the pain-free promises. Like, I think you misheard that prayer. The prayer that I had ascending to the heavenlies was the pain-free promises. And, and, you know, whenever you're ready, I have the receipt, and I would like my money back. Like, God, just, I'm I'm waiting on you. Like, I I trust you that you will give me back, uh, you know, my compensation in due time. Because I asked for the pain-free promise plan, and I got the painful promise plan. And I did not sign up for that. Uh, There's actually a a scripture in the Bible that kind of captures what I just said. And one of the things about this scripture is I love this scripture because I think sometimes there are scriptures within the Bible. And I think God is kind of acting like Netflix. Like if you ever watch Netflix so long that it says, are you still watching? It's just me. Okay, it's just me. But if you watch Netflix for a long time, this message will pop up and it'll say, hey, are you still watching? And I think sometimes there are scriptures in the Bible that are kind of like Netflix and God is doing that. And he's like, hey, are you still listening? Are you still reading? Like the other day I saw this verse and it was in Song of Solomon and it was like this pickup line. And it was talking about how this, Like this person's nose was like a tower of Lebanon or something like that. And then their neck was like this wall of Damascus. And I'm like, what, what, when did that work? Like, can you, maybe we're doing it wrong as a culture when it comes to dating. We're we're, we're in the apps and we actually should be into awkward pickup lines. Like maybe that's where it is. But I think sometimes God's like, hey, I just want to make sure you're still listening. Just putting that in there. Uh, Gideon, anybody love the story of Gideon? like Gideon shows up and he's got to do this thing for God. And God's like, Hey, I want you to see who drinks their water a certain way. And that's how you know who you're going to choose. I imagine that it's probably the equivalent of like, if you're on a date and you're God, you're asking God like, Hey, how's this going to work? Is this going to work out for me? And he's like, Hey, if they chew with their mouth closed, then they're for you. But if they chew with their mouth open, then they're not for you. Like, it's kind of like that. But I think sometimes God, he's just funny, sense of humor. He's trying to make sure that we're still following along. Are you still following along? Yes. Okay, good. All right, here's the verse. You're ready. I built it up. Proverbs 14, 4. I love this verse. It says, the only clean stable is an empty stable. So if you want to work, if you want the work of an ox And to enjoy an abundant harvest, you'll have a mess or two to clean up. So with this verse, every part of this verse to me speaks to the growing pains that we have as a people. And when we live in this country and we live in this culture, one of the things that I have noticed about growth is as a people, we love growth, right? Like you turn around, everything's about the growth of the economy, the growth of this, the growth of that. Then you have self-growth and then you have all these wonderful growths. But what I've noticed is that there is a false gospel of growth in this world because the gospel of this world preaches that you will have growth without pain. And when you read the scriptures, it's like, no, that's, that's not what happens. Like when you read the scriptures, you see that growth comes through a process. And in that process, there is pain. And let me give you the theological word for it. It's found here in Proverbs 14. And actually, that process involves a lot of poop. You're like, okay, I didn't think I was going to hear. So let me read this again. The only clean stable is an empty stable. So what what is clearly being said here is if you want a clean life, if you want a life that's perfect and tidy, if you want to start one of those influencer pages where it's like, hey, here's my day in the life and everything's clean and perfect and everything's running on time and there's incredible background music and it looks really amazing. If you want that life, you can have that life. But if you get that life, it's going to be an empty life. That's, it's right there. It says, hey, you can have the clean stable, but I need you to know that if you have the clean stable, then you're going to have an empty life. Or here's another option here. God's saying, hey, if you want the abundant harvest that comes from spiritual growth, you're going to have to grab a shovel. Because what's happening here is he's saying, hey, if you want a barn full of oxen because you want a life full of harvest, then you are going to have to shovel some poop. Let me put it a little more succinctly. If you want the promises of your life that God is promising you in your life, then you're going to have to shovel a little bit of poop in your life. But what happens is when we shovel the poop, there is a process that is happening that is going to get us to the promises that God has for us. And I think sometimes, at least for me, I become offended that there's poop in my life. It's like, oh, how dare you, God? Like, I, I didn't ask for the poop. I only asked for the promises. And so when you read this, this, this verse, he's saying, hey, like, I want to give you growth. I want to give you a harvest, and this harvest is going to come through growing pains, and those pains are going to feel like you're just shoveling a lot of poop in life. It's like, man, you're, just, you're in there, and the shovel, and you feel like you're alone, and God's like, well, hey, hold on. First of all, it's like, number one, I gave you the shovel, and I'm, it's called the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to continue to give you that shovel. And then here's what's going to happen is I'm going to come alongside of you and I'm going to shovel with you and you're not going to be alone. And I'm going to walk you through this process that is happening in your life. And it will be painful and it won't be pain free, but it is going to be purposeful. So one of the interesting things about my life is I have to find this like fine line between what's good for your life. And also what's good for this church. And so when I see some of you in your life, like some of you are on the cusp of some amazing promises coming to fruition. But you are shoveling a lot of poop, right? You're just like, man, I I don't have enough shovels. Like I just, I wish I had a shovel and I had a friend who had a shovel and then we all had shovels and then we had poop bags and we're just out there doing the dang thing, shoveling some poop. And what I've noticed is that sometimes we as a church, we speak only to a person as they're an individual. And what happens is you lose sight that you are a part of a people. And we're all entering into these growing pains because God has great promise for us. And so as a church, too, we are a people. And I believe that God has great growth ahead for us. But we're going to have to grow through some growing pains in order to get to the growing promises. And so what I find is that this is the intersection for you and I in our life. The way that you hear the word of God in here is going to help you when you live out the word of God in your life outside these walls. But the most beautiful thing about that, too, is how we hear the promises of God in here and how we process the growing pains in here is going to help us achieve the things that God has called us to as a people of God. One of the things that's so crazy about Christianity is that we're all not just Lone Rangers or, like, ninjas for Jesus. Like, you know who you are. Like, you come in here, you, like, hear the Word of God, you drop the smoke, and then you leave. And it's like, hey, did you did you see? I, I swear there was... She was right here, and she filled out the card, and then she dropped the smoke, and then she left. I, even, I don't even know where the card went. They're like, hey, did you... The, You know, sometimes we act like we're ninjas for Jesus and God's like, hey, I put you in a great cloud of witnesses so that you can walk through the growing pains of life together. So what does that mean for you? And how do we shovel? How do we walk through the growing pains of life so that we can get to the growing promises that God has for us? Here's the title. How do we push through the poop? You're going to remember that, right? It's in there. First thing we can do is be slow. You're going to remember that. You're laughing now, but you're going to remember it. Hey, what what happened at church today? Pastor talked about pushing through poop. You got their attention. First, be slow to put a label on the circumstances and the situation. Be slow to put a label on the circumstances and the situation. So a lot of times what happens in my own life is I have deep pain and anguish because I put a proclamation on certain things that God hasn't put a proclamation on. And as a result, I have a greater pain because of the proclamation that I've put on the things that are happening in my life. I don't know if you've ever heard this. uh, It's a Chinese uh, proverb and it's called we'll see. Has anyone ever heard this? We'll see. You've heard it. I actually got this from Tom Brady. It was the first time I heard this. So if it's from Tom, then it's probably good and true. Actually, I looked it up. I promise I looked it up. So this guy, he is a farmer in a village, and he has this horse. And all of a sudden, this horse drops dead. And so the people in the village were like, oh, man, that's such an unlucky guy. Well, so the village felt bad for him. And they were like, man, we've got to change this guy's luck. And so what they did is as a village, they got this guy a new horse. And so like, oh my gosh, he's a lucky man. And he was like, well, we'll see. So all of a sudden he has this new horse and this horse gets out and runs away. And so they're like, oh my gosh, this guy is such a poor fellow. And he's like, wait a minute, we'll see. All of a sudden, the horse comes back and returns. And so he has the horse again and they're like, oh my gosh, this guy is such a lucky guy. And he's like, we'll see. The next day his son's riding the horse and as he's riding the horse, he falls off and breaks his leg. And so of course the village was like, oh my gosh, this guy is so unlucky. And he's like, we'll see. Well, the next day the local army comes in and they're drafting kids to fight in the war. And his son can't get drafted because he broke his leg. Wow. Lucky guy. We'll see. And the story keeps going. And I think in life, sometimes we are very quick to put labels on things rather than waiting and seeing what God is up to. There's a passage in John's gospel. It's actually in John 9, and this actually kind of happened. Jesus is walking around in the villages, and he encounters a man who was blind. And this man actually had labels all over his life. Like everyone had put a label on his circumstance. And as a result, I think he lived into those labels. And so what had happened was, is he was blind. And the reason that he was blind, this was the label that they put on there, was because of the sins of his parents. Well, first of all, if, if that was the case, then all my kids would be blind times 10. They're like the most blind kids in the world. But what was happening is Jesus is wanting to change this label that he lived into. Can you imagine having this label spoken over your life? Like, can you imagine how mad you had to be at God? Like, oh my gosh, like this, this is horrible. Like I'm blind because of something that someone else did. Can you imagine his relationship with his parents? Like everyone telling him that it's their fault. And so what Jesus does is he flips the script. He's like, hey, I think you've jumped and you've labeled this thing too quickly. Like, I think you've put a label on this thing that's not of God. And as a result, you're living a painful life and you're not growing because you're living into the wrong label. And this is what Jesus says in John 9, 3. He says, it was not because of the sin, his his sins or his parents' sin, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in Him. And so the pronouncement that God wanted on this in and through Jesus was that so the power could go forward, not because of somebody's sin and what happened. And so you just see right there that he had put a label on it that wasn't true, and Jesus came in and he flipped the label and he's like, "Hey, that's not the label I want on this. The label I want on this is power. The label I want on this is glory. The label I want on this is to see the supernatural at work. And so in our lives, sometimes we can be so quick to label things. And as a result, we miss out on the power of God. A few years back, um, we just had like a a crazy season in the church. I mean, it was a long time back. So you're not like, I just missed it. What happened? This was a long time ago. It's probably before a lot of y'all. And we just had this season where we had a lot of the people of church leave. Like, it was just, like, mass exodus. I was like, did did someone call an exodus and, like, Moses showed up and he's, like, like leaving with God's people? Like, what happened? And I got left behind. Like, I don't know if you've ever felt like that. I I I felt like I got left behind. But what we found is that there was lies that had surfaced and because of the lies that people all left. And so we went from having the biggest Easter that we ever had to dwindling down to, like, 40 people in a few months. And it was like, okay, God. What on earth is happening? Well, there's something you got to know about me is apart from Jesus. I am. I told the prayer group this morning. I'm Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. I'm like, I don't know. Like, this is horrible. This is so bad. I hate my life. Like, that's who I am apart from Jesus. So pray God that Jesus has rescued me from being Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. But when I was in this season, I was like, woe is me. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to follow God anymore. I don't want to love these people anymore. I certainly don't want to bless these people anymore. And I certainly don't want to say nice things about these people anymore. Like, I was in a place. And what I realized is that I had put a label on what God was doing. In John 15, Jesus talks about pruning and he talks about pruning happening for growth. And what's happening in this moment is a lot of times we think that pruning happens because we're being faithless, but it's actually because we're being faithful. Right. So God's saying, hey, I'm taking the faithfulness that is happening in your life and I want to make it more fruitful. And what I had done was I had put a label on it that was not of fruit and was that not of faithfulness. And it was certainly not of God. So the question I have is is how many times in your life when something happens, you're putting a label on it, and as a result, you are missing the power of God in the midst of your pain. It doesn't mean you don't need to feel it. It just means you have to have the posture that says, you know what? Like, I just, I'm going to wait a second. Like, I'm just going to Pause. I'm Like, you know, the psalmist says, be still. Like, I'm going to be still and try to figure out what God is doing in this moment. Because I don't want to put a label on this yet. Like, I might be on the cusp of a miracle. Like, I might see God move in a way that I hadn't even thought that he was going to move. Like, I might see God come through in ways that weren't even on my map. And when we put a label on the things in our lives, we are putting limiting belief and limitations on God in our life. Like, Jesus is the most compassionate person. Like, he is the most compassionate. But, like, every once in a while, you see these moments in the Gospels where you're like, oh, somebody better write that down. Like, Jesus flipping tables. Write that down. Like, he took that table. He flipped it over. I'm going to do that one day, but right now I'm just going to write it down. And then there's times where he comes into a village and he looks around and he's like, hey, I... I can't do anything here. There is such a label of limiting belief that I've got to move on. And it's like, wait a minute, hold on a second. Like, I sang about you in Sunday school. You didn't do that in Sunday school. Like, I didn't read about that. Like, in Sunday school, you were on the felt board, and you were sweet, and you had the cute face, and you were always helping people. And Jesus is like, hey, I, I, I want to do. I want to work i want to move but it's got to be among people of faith not having a limiting belief and he's like hey mustard seed like i'm talking about mustard seed like just give me a mustard seed i can work with a mustard seed you don't have a mustard seed you can come out and be like i want to believe help my unbelief like that that he can work with that but if we label the things in our lives it puts limitations. Not because we've got Jesus in a box, but because Jesus has moved on to the other village. We've got to be slow to label the pain in our life because we have no idea how close that pain can be to the promises that God has for us. Second thing is we need to be slow to blame. So in my life, I have found that there is a natural response to pain is that I want to blame. I'm like, oh, no, was his fault. It was their fault. It was their fault. It was their fault. It was God's fault. And so when you read scriptures, and this is why I didn't say don't blame. I said be slow to blame. is because I do believe that God allows us to process the pain that we're feeling in the midst of those painful circumstances. So when you read the Psalms, like you're in there and like, oh, man, there's a lot of pain in here. But there's also a lot of blame. Like I've read times where the psalmist has been like smiting the other person. Like, can you imagine walking up into church and they're singing about killing some, God killing someone else? It's like, oh, that's a good jam right there. Like, they, they Get him, oh God, smite him down. Like, I can get, is that, is that a hill song? Who is that? Is that, what, who is it? Like, can you imagine walking up into church and hearing that? But that's like, when, the, when you read the Psalms, it's like, hey, I'll, I'll go get them, God. Like, they, they wronged me. You go get them. When you read uh, Job, Job is actually being encouraged to blame God, right? Like, hey, you need to, you need to give God a piece of your mind. Like, you need, like if I was Joe, I would have been right there. I'm like, man, like, what are you doing, God? Like, why are you doing this? Why is this happening? And so in our lives, it's not that we don't have blame. We have to be slow to blame. What I've found in my own life is if I am living out of a place of blame, then I am killing the process that God is doing in my life internally that is going to prepare me for the promise that he has for me in the next season. So let me give you an example, because you're like, I don't know, you just said a lot of Ps there, and and I heard a lot of P words, and I don't know, you just a lot there, pain, purpose, promise, like all that. Um, One of the things that we, uh, when we started the church, we had this guy that was helping us out. He was like a dear pastor, dear friend, and he would always he was like mr miyagi or something like that in my life like he would always say hard things that i didn't like to hear i was like stop like stop doing that like whatever you're doing just stop it like hey good job sport like can i get a good job sport or that a boy champ like any of that but he would always say these hard good and true things. But one of the things that happens when you start things in your life, whether it be a church, whether it be a dream, whether it be anything in your life, you are thinking about how you can help other people, right? Or how you can do this thing for other people or how you can do this thing for this other reason. So it's like, oh my gosh, I want to start this. And this is how it's going to help people. Or I want to do this. And this is how it's going to help my family. And so anyway, I had this spirit when it came to the church. It's like, man, I can't wait to start this church. I want to see people come to faith in Jesus. And I want to be a light into our city. And I want all these incredible things that happen in the midst of this community. And he stopped and he was like, hey, I just need you to know that this thing that you're about to do is less about them and more about you. And I was like, are you talking to me? Like. Tell me that again. He said, yes, I need you to know that this thing is less about them and more about you. Because what's happening is God is going to use the thing that you're doing to make you into the person that you're supposed to be. And so what I found in my own life is that pain, growing pain, is the process by which he prepares you and I for the promise that's ahead, And so in life, we as a culture, we get so tired of people falling if they're in a place of power or prominence. And we're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that happened again. But what I've found is that we are so quick to lift them up to that platform without a time of preparation. And the same is true in our lives. We want the platform without the preparation because we know the preparation involves Pain, And we don't like pain. Can I get an amen? So in John's gospel, Jesus has an encounter with this guy. And he's been lame for 38 years. Can you imagine struggling through something for 38 years? Like, I I got that microwave faith. And like every once in a while, I'll whip out that like Instapot faith. Like, I've got no time for Crock-Pot faith. And so this guy, for 38 years, he had been lame and living by this fountain. So Jesus shows up, and after years of pain and just figuring out what's happening in his life, Jesus has this encounter with him, and he's like, hey, I want to help you. I want to figure out what's going on here. And this is how the guy responds. He says, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up and someone else always gets in there ahead of me. And so what is happening in this moment is that Jesus wants to provide the miracle of healing for this person. But Jesus can't get past the blame that this guy has in his heart for the people around him. If you are blaming the people around you, God can't do the work in you. If you are blaming God, he can take it, but he's not at a place where he can do the work in you until we surrender and release that. And so did I say, don't blame? No, I did not. Like God is so, so inviting when it comes to our pain. He wants us to process that pain with us. If we need to blame God, like he can take it. Like, again, he's the only one who can take it. But the quicker we stop the blame, the quicker we can start the process of growth that God is wanting to do in our hearts so that he can prepare us for the promise that he has ahead for us. So when you are in your most honest moments, are you struggling with blaming God? You're like, man, I, or blaming others. You're like, man, I, I, this ain't about me. This is about them. Like this, this ain't about me. Like I'm good. Like I'm fine. Like this is, this is about them. Like they need to get their life together. They need to like, especially in the South, like our verse, our voice gets higher as we talk about other people. It's like y'all pray for my friend. This is about them. It's not about me. You know, like we just have these this outlook with life, and what's happening is the blame is calloused our heart, and God can't do anything in our lives because our heart's so calloused with blame. So we got to be slow to label, slow to blame, and then we have to be quick to remind ourselves that there is a purpose to this poop or pain. Now, this is the part, like if you've grown up in the church, it's like you just eye roll because this is like everywhere. Right. It's like God has a purpose for your pain. And me, I'm like, I don't care. It still hurts. It's like, but no, seriously, he has a purpose. I still don't care. It's still. And so I feel like I'm in this standoff with God. And so uh, I just real quick, I, I was reading Paul this week and he he was In Romans, he's like processing all these things. And what I find about Paul in his writing in this moment, which I love is he's like asking these questions. He's like big life questions. And sometimes in the church, we're like, no, you can't ask questions. Don't do that. That's not faith. And it's like, well, it is. And so he's asking these questions and he's like, Hey, I just, I have a lot of things going on in my life and I'm just really struggling to see the God who is good. It's like when we open up with two songs about God being good, like of course, like, there's some of you in here that have to be like hands in the pocket. Like, just, I'm just not there yet. Like, I want to be there, but I'm not there. Like, I want to sing that song, but I got to wake up tomorrow and I got to walk into like the terror of tomorrow. And I, I'm like, I'm just struggling to see that God is good. In tomorrow, Like, he might be good in this hour, but I'm worried about the other 167 hours out there. Like, wh- wh- where is God in that? So Paul's wrestling through this, and this is the answer that he has. So in all of his life, he's like, man, is God against me? Like, wh- is God even for me? Like, wh- like I, he's got this mission. Like, he's got this heart for the gospel. He's trying to do the right thing. In Enneagram 1s, you're like, I'm just out here trying to do the right thing. And it, it stinks, like life's hard. And Paul, he says, Romans eight twenty eight. And he says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So here's the deal if we are following Jesus, if we are trying to do the best that we can with this one life that he's given us on this earth, we are experiencing a growing pain that is in process so that we can experience the promises that he has for us. But here's the hard part, and here's where the compassion of God, like I hope you hear this, is that if you don't have faith in God, then I I don't know if there's purpose in your pain. Like, like, It's just the words right there. He's like, hey, I just need you to know that God has good for those who love him. And so if you're loving yourself and you're walking through this world, not following God, like he is calling his kids home. Like, with God, the door is wide open. The gospel is so great. His grace is so infinite. And the beautiful thing about the gospel is we don't have to do any of the hard work to get to God. Jesus has already done that work. And what we get to do is we get to put our faith and trust and belief in him. But what I've noticed is the scripture is clear. It's like, hey, if, if you're not following Jesus, you're just out there hurting. And so my question is, is, wouldn't you like some purpose with your pain? Like, wouldn't you like some healing with your pain? Like, wouldn't you like to experience the promises that come with the pain? There is a great payoff that comes with the poop of life. But it is only when you are following the God of this universe and put your faith and trust in Jesus. Like, he's the one that adds purpose. It's not because, oh, that just worked out. That's great. Like, that's awesome. Everything just seems to work out. It's like, no, no. The God of the universe is on his throne, and he is working out all things for the good of those who love him. But here is the beauty of God. It's like even when we're enemies of him and even when we don't love him, he is chasing us down. How incredible is that? That's amazing. You can clap for that. That's God. That ain't me. All right, let me close with the scripture because this is what happens when I don't preach. I preach too long, first Sunday back. Apologies. No, I'm not. You're right. All right, this is Paul again. He says, Romans eight thirty-seven, 37, Romans 35 and 37, he says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? How many of you thought that? Like, mean, this just hurts too bad and God does not love me. In persecution, hunger, destitute, in danger, or threatened with death? And there's the answer. It says, no, despite all these things overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us if you are in the fight of your life if you are experiencing growing pains in your life if you are experiencing the poop that comes from having a place of blessing in the kingdom of God I have good news you are heading in the right direction you keep following him, you keep trusting him, you keep believing in him, and victory will be yours. There's a harvest ahead, and there is promises that will accompany the pain that you are experiencing. May pray for us. Father, I just pray that you would speak to the hearts. Father, I pray uh, that you would do what only you can do. Father, we just pray for your spirit to be gentle and complete. I just love how incredibly gracious you are with us as your kids. Father, I I pray right now for people who might have had labels put on them that maybe it wasn't their label, but somebody else put that label on them. Father, I just pray that this morning would be the chains breaking off that label. I pray that you would free them from always thinking that that's who they are. And Father, I pray that you would define them as kids, in the kingdom as sons and daughters in Christ. Father, I pray that you would tear that label off. God, I pray that if, if anyone's just struggling with blame this morning, God, there is no shame in the blame. There is no shame in any of this. We are free from shame and condemnation. And so Father, I just pray that if, if there is just a struggle with blame, I just pray that the, the fingers would fall down and there would stop being pointing and that the hands would fall open and that there would be surrender. And God, we just pray that in this week, in the next days, that you would just help us see the good in the midst of the hard, that you would help us see the promises in the midst of the pain. Um, and God, we just believe that this is for our growth and for our good. Father, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening in to Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, Bright City.